Step onto the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros, where the world's best players battle it out for a chance to win the French Open title. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV, live in HD. Don't miss a moment with daily live coverage and match replays on demand, beginning Monday, May 20th. Be there for all the unforgettable moments. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This podcast was recorded on Wurundjeri land. We pay our respect to their elders past and present and to the traditional owners of the game Mangrook, without which our game wouldn't exist. This is Footy Actually, brought to you by Play On Radio. Welcome to Footy Actually, the weekly footy podcast that is your dose of alternative listening for diehard fans like myself and my co-host, AFL analyst Gemma Bastiani. I am Rana Hussein. Welcome back for another week. We didn't get to chat last week. We did actually, but one of us stuffed up technologically. We had some tech issues. I will say that it wasn't on my end. <laughs> Just to throw you right under it was the one bus. Of us. <laughs> it was one of us and it wasn't Gemma. I'm not saying it was me, but it wasn't Gemma. But it is what it is. Let's just leave it there. I mean, <laughs> I I talked a lot about Brisbane um, and praised Zach Bailey a lot. So that's mostly the gist of the episode anyway. Look, every good podcast needs a lost episode and we finally have one. Uh, Finally, um, five weeks I said weekly. (laughs) I said weekly footy podcast, but we've been fortnightly just between you being sick and me being a technological luddite. uh, We've only only been here every second week. So hopefully that's it. We've got out all of our sicknesses and our stuff-ups. And we will be here every week. Yeah, we are. We fully intend to have a weekly episode. <laughs> Some of us just thought we were recording and we went. That happens. Things just happen. Happens to the best Can't of us. Can't help it. We were too excited for AFLW trade period to start to, you know, remember to check that oh we were recording. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. So much to talk about. Well, we, we will get there. Let's start, though with our spotlight for the week, as we are wont to do. I want to start with number 13 from the Gold Coast Suns, who is impressing everyone at the moment. Yeah, so Jack Lacocious, uh, the the talk of him this week has been his kicking, which has always been brilliant. But I think the thing that really has stood out in the past few weeks, and in particular on the weekend, is how he's kind of 
finally settled into the role they need him to play. Um, In his first couple of years, they were trying him out as a key forward, key back. Now he's playing that kind of Jordan Dawson-style running defender slash winger. So he's able to set up a lot of really creative ball movement for the Suns because he does have that really clean kick, but also he's, he's positioned well to start effective chains of play. And I always hate it when people make this, uh, use this analogy for AFL um, footballers because I think it's really stupid, but I'm going to use it because I think I'm stupid today, is that like quarterbacking, you know what I mean? Where it, it sets up the play from the back half to then allow the other players to kind of do what they need to do. And I think that's what Jack Lacocious really did on the weekend in that Suns win. He had 27 disposals, 737 meters gained, 14 marks, seven score involvements and seven intercepts. So he's intercepting the ball and creating attacking footy off the back of it. And it's really fun to watch as well. The precocious Lacocious. Someone had to say it. I'm sorry that it was me. (laughs) What? Um, Gemma. Yes. I hate to bring up the Swans because I know how much you hate talking about them, but I'm going to. It was a confident Swans outfit this weekend, didn't you think? They must have had you salivating. Well, yeah. So I appreciate the shade there, first of all. Because uh, I very rarely bring up the sw- I try try not to bring up the swans on this podcast for fear of people thinking I'm biased. But I mean, it is what it is. Every week, no, not true. They didn't mention them last week, and we and the episode didn't come out. <laughs> so the swans. Um, it was a really big game for uh, uh, players like Luke Parker, Josh Kennedy, Buddy Franklin, obviously that kind of senior group that leads the team. But what was so important about this game for the Swans was that when Carlton were on top, controlling the contested ball, all those sorts of things, it was the young Swans that were pulling the trigger, those 45-degree kicks into the corridor or the the run out of congestion that actually got some really positive attacking ball movement going for the Swans so they could get that momentum. It was guys like Justin McInerney who so often, every time he won the ball on a halfback flank, he either ran away with it or he was willing to pull that kick into the corridor to set someone up and get the ball moving very quickly forward. Um, he ended up with five inside 50s, eight score involvements and 17 disposals at 94%. So Justin McInerney is a player who two years ago looked like he might have been on the cusp of delisting. Last year, he had a really good season when he was able to come in and this year he's become a really important member of the time, uh, the side, like a walk-up start to the side, which not many people, I think, projected that to happen um, two years ago, which is really exciting for him. Chad Warner, a different kind of player. He spent a lot of time on Sam Walsh, who kind of faded out of the game as Warner got more into the game. Warner had has those moments breaking out of um, stoppages where you just don't know how he's been able to escape the traffic and then the fact is he does the turn or whatever the blind turn or whatever it is but then is able to spot up a kick to continue the ball movement for the Swans so he ended up with 15 disposals two clearances four inside 50s and five score involvement so again young player getting the ball around the back half and getting it forward into attack and then James Rowbottom is the third one I wanted to highlight who 
had Ed Kerner running with him for most of the game, which I think is a, a sign of how much Carlton value what James Rowbottom can do and how much they wanted to minimise that because Ed Kerner is a very, very good run-with player. He's not a tagger. He's mm. a run-with player, lays a lot of tackles, is in the contest a lot. So Rowbottom still battled through that with Kerner, ended up with 14 disposals, 11 tackles. So when he wasn't winning the ball, he was defending the Swans um, as well. Three clearances, four inside 50s, and four score involvements. So those three young guys, amongst all the other youth at Sydney, and a lot of it's not in the senior team right now through injury or just inability to get into the side, those three guys are heading up that. And it's super exciting because you think about who is probably the next age group up, it's guys like Callum Mills and Isaac Heaney who are both outstanding as well. So I think that's the thing. The Swans have this amazing balance in the team now, but it's all down to the confidence the senior guys give those younger players. Uh, I love hearing you just go off on a Sydney Sydney romp. And uh, I wish the listeners could see your hand gestures as well because they're pretty bloody great. I am very (laughs) Italian. You're so Italian and expressive and it's wonderful and I love it. I'm actually really excited to talk about this next team, which who isn't one of my teams, but I was really thrilled for them over the weekend. Um, But we wanted to talk about Essendon and the bottom end players that have impressed you this week. Yeah, with Essendon, I think for the past 10 years at least, you think of Essendon, you think of maybe the top handful of players on on the list and they're kind of the ones that are getting the job done. And not to be rude, but maybe sometimes in spite of the bottom end of the 22 that are out there on the field. Finally at Essendon, we're seeing those players that make up that the bottom six or 10 spots on that 22 having a really significant impact on games and really propping up the um, say for better word stars of the team and that's what we're seeing such a difference and and so much more positive um, gameplay from Essendon because it's not once it's out of the hands of five or six players it's a lost cause there are guys stepping up in those areas that might have been there for a really long time, like a Kyle Langford, but are finally settled into a into a position that allows them to play their best football for the team. So Kyle Langford, he had 28 disposals at 81% on the weekend. He took nine marks, four tackles, and nine score involvements. So he's very much that conduit between a strong midfield and the attack of this team. So Kyle Langford finally, a a guy that was in and out of the side for a really long time, he's finally having a big impact. And like I referenced Justin McInerney before, two years ago, you probably don't see him being a walk-up start to the 22. Now he absolutely is with the way this team is set up. Then there's Nick Hind, who has had a lot of praise because of what he's done, kicked a goal last week. He's had 20 disposals, 409 metres gained and five intercepts. So in that back half, he's filled that role that Adam Sarder's left beautifully. And he's just kind of holding up his end of the bargain after being um, maybe questioned a few times in his career. Matt Guelphie, he just throws himself at everything. Physically, he's just in everything and you know that he's desperate for it. He wants to do well. 
his repeat efforts are outstanding. And that's the kind of role player that you need in your team sometimes. You don't always need the most skillful, um, the most powerful, anything like that. Someone that just wants it so badly can lift everyone else around them. And that's what Matt Guelphie does for this team. And then the other ones are the obvious ones in Nick Cox, Harrison Jones, and Archie Perkins, who as first-year players are maybe not the most consistent, but you can tell what they're going to become if you give them time. And yes, they are having starring roles in games at the moment, but think about this trio in three years' time when they're all playing consistently at their peak. That's a very exciting prospect, but it's all because Essendon finally have the supporting players to those stars to let them do their job well too. So I and uh, it comes as no surprise to anyone that I love fringe players. Robbie Fox come back, um, but I, you'll love a player with a fringe. <laughs> is that what you say? It's uh, not what you different meant, interpretation so. of what I'm saying. But yeah, so Essendon <laughs> absolutely. This is the reason to be excited about this Essendon team. It's not because Kale Hooker is kicking all his goals, which is kind of hilarious. It's because these are players who either have been cast aside or written off. Uh, playing vital roles in this redevelopment of this club. It's very exciting. Oh, I mean, all of that aside, you must be happy if you're an Essendon supporter. There's so much hope now, I think, in this side. And to your point, Richmond won a premiership off a team that were kind of average individually <laughs> and they all came together to to do something kind of brilliant with it you know, led by Dustin Martin. They're not a team of amazing players. They're a team of role players with a couple of stars. But that's the thing, isn't it? That's most premiership teams. Whereas Mm. you look at Gold Coast in the Gary Ablett era, were they ever going to really have success? No, because it was built around a single player that was, you know, expected to do the job while young players developed. It's never going to work that way. I have to say the next day going on a coffee run, um, everybody was out walking because we're in lockdown. So I oh, think yeah. everybody just wanted that thing to enjoy the um, beautiful winter sun we're having at the moment. And there were so many bombers and beanies, bombers, scarves and beanies around. Um, it was really nice to see them all out loud and proud. And I have to say uh, Ben Ratton's... I always get confused between Ben Ratton and Brett. Ratton. Rutten. <laughs> truck. I'm calling him Truck. Truck's smile after that game was just so big and beautiful. He is a really cool customer in general. Um, so to see him just show that emotion when he when hugged his players, it was really lovely. It's funny that we have Rutten and Ratten and Longmire and Longmuir. Oh, it's not funny. It's so bloody annoying. <laughs> it's very confusing. Well, we've said all the nice things we could possibly say. Now it's time to tell a few people to pull their socks up. Uh, Gemma, I'm going to go to you first. Look, there wasn't there wasn't that much. I'm not. It wasn't bad this week. Uh, I mean, aside from the truly terrible Collingwood Geelong game, which again, truly terrible. Burn all the tapes. Never look at it again. Um, it wasn't like you watched footy and 
were disappointed very much. I mean, unless you're a Carlton fan. I'm not very eloquent today. I'm a, I apologize. But St. Kilda and Fremantle, both of these clubs have once again not taken the opportunities that they should have um, when they created shots on goal and have therefore lost their games by significant margins because, or St Kilda didn't lose, but they should have won by a much more significant margin. Fremantle absolutely could have come back from their terrible first quarter against Port Adelaide to win. They just didn't take their chances, and it's just frustrating, and that's my negative thing for the week, I guess. Yeah, not that negative. It was a good round of footy, I thought. Uh, I'll go negative then. (laughs) (laughs) Not that that's what this segment is about, but... um, it's more to just say, hey, you could do a little better. Um, sticking with the media theme, as I am wont to do, I am looking at uh, AFL House, <laughs> but more through the lens of having read or I'm halfway through Mick Warner's new book, The Boys Club, um, which has just come out. And that basically takes a torch to AFL House and just lifts the lid on all the shenanigans going on. And I have to say, reading that book, I keep going between like fists pumping the air because he is so spot on in his insights and revelations around how much of a boys club AFL can be to feeling really sad and depressed and actually really despairing because um, having worked in the industry for five years, the so much of it, none of it's really a surprise. Um, It's all just different versions of that, of that boys club playing out in different ways. And so I actually feel really sad for um, this game that we all love so much and there's so much good stuff going on, but there's certainly some stuff that needs to be called out and Mick Warner certainly does it. I wanted to um, ask Jeff Kennett to maybe pull his socks up a little bit as well because how weird is it that he's, it feels like he's in a rebrand or something. He's desperate to get this AFLW side. He's sidling up with Mick Warner to launch this book to call out the, at, at call out AFL House He's clearly on a legacy tour and wants to leave that club with, you know, on a high note. That's just a little bit transparent and weird. It's very odd. (laughs) I will give you that. I want a press conference um, and a book club mashup with this book. (laughs) So like book club, but do it press conference style because I would just love to go through line by line with Gillian McLaughlin and say, what is going on? It's, oh, well, this is the thing, isn't it? And I have not yet read the book. Um, I'm assuming you're going to loan it to me when you're done. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> just put you on the spot there. Um, <laughs> I, you said despairing when you were describing that. And as, uh, this sounds so uh, typical, but as a woman working in football media in particular, you go through phases where you're super motivated to help make change, help grow the women's game, do all these things. And then you have just one thing said to you or one thing done that makes you feel like, what's the point? And that despair Mm. comes in because it feels like you get knocked back three pegs every time, you know, a man on 
in the media decides to say that women's football isn't worth it or it's just a throwaway comment to them but to you it's everything so it's it is that despairing thing and knowing the kinds of people that have the control over these things in both the AFL house and in footy media the people who have the control over these things are the ones that don't really care a lot of the time and it can be really kind of deflating um but that's why we have to keep doing the thing to change that right well that's why we're alternative listening because (laughs) we're providing an alternative for people who are sick of the boys club i think the thing that this book really outlines well is the system is rigged for so many people and that if you are trying to swim against that tide it's really hard because there's so much stacked against you to create any kind of change that, you know, Andrew, Andrew Demetriou onwards, AFL house was built as an empire and to crack that and to create social change within that is really, really tough. Speaking of press conferences, I said I wanted a press conference book club mashup. I mean, not to mention uh, Naomi Osaka in all of this, who mm-hmm. does not love a press conference. I do love a press conference, but that's because I'm a shitty person and I love to see, I love to watch it as entertainment because it is so bananas to me that we would even sit down and fire questions at people post game in that format it's very strange but I love watching it and I'm often thinking about what I would ask in a press conference if I was there and the really silly or curly or juicy questions that I would probably be too scared to ask if I was actually there Uh, and of course that led to the birth of this segment the presser Um, I would like to kick it off and I'm going to start with uh any coach really, any coach I would like to talk to in the press conference after a game or before a game about Sir Doug Nichols round. Every year we do Sir Doug Nichols round and some journos ask about the Indigenous players and what they've brought to the game, but no one really takes it the next step and asks important questions, furthers the conversation, which is what that round is about. And I would love to ask questions like, what do you think the AFL's role in furthering conversations around Indigenous communities is? What learning have you and your team done? Has there been any education? What insights, new insights have you had in your learning and immersion around Aboriginal communities and their experiences this year? You know, let's actually use that time productively to have a conversation and lead a conversation and show people what it's like to come to the table when it comes to our First Nations communities. So I get a little bit frustrated that we put on all this ceremony and we do these jumpers and then when we have an actual conversation on camera with the head coaches we don't have a conversation at all we just stick to what happened in the game and I would love for journalists to take that opportunity and run with it pivoting a little bit as we like to do in a COVID world you've got a question for Stewie Jew (laughs) yeah just to completely change the vibe of this podcast now um 
my question this week would be for Stuart Jew. I said that with a really Aussie accent. I don't know why. (laughs) Stuart Jew. But I'm leaving it in there. Um, (laughs) The Suns are coming off such a good win in a season where they have been up and down but they're going straight into a buy off the back of it. And a lot of um, media commentators talk about how it's great to have that momentum going into the buy. But I would actually love to ask, how do you actually maintain that positive momentum when your players are all going and taking a few days off rather than going straight into another game where you can carry that through? I'd love to know how you maintain that over the two-week period so then when they go and face Frio, as it stands, they're facing Frio, um, the week after, how do you how do you hit that game running when you've had that gap between? Because we've seen clubs struggle off the back of a bye, no matter how good their win the pre- previous week was. So, I'd love to ask the strategy behind that. Mm, I think buys are really damaging, especially coming into finals. Let's definitely chat about that. Put a pin in that and talk about it well, when it when we get. Well, to Well, I mean, it. the W are going to have a buy about three weeks into their season now, so uh, let's see how that goes. <laughs> Oh, I despair. (laughs) (laughs) Let's bring the mood up a little bit and talk about our play on performer of the round. I am so happy with who you've picked this week, (laughs) but I will let you do the honours. So I wanted to choose someone else, but then we will talk about that person in a moment um, because it's relevant. Something happened uh, yesterday to make it relevant. Um, So I've chosen Jake Lever of Melbourne, obviously. The dogs, <laughs> so Melbourne won that top of the table clash on Friday night. Um, they were they were powerful, um, but not only were they powerful, they they used their assets really well. What they what Melbourne did as a whole was shut down what has been the best part of the dogs game. So it was a twofold performance from Melbourne. I think a lot of it came down to Jake Lever's ability, his organisation, and his strength in the back line. The way the dogs want to play is move the ball very quickly, get the ball cleanly inside 50 to, um, to leading forwards and just kind of stun their opponents with that really quick ball movement. While, yes, Melbourne did pressure um, the, the ball movement higher up the field and cause a little bit of a panicked disposal going forward, the thing that helped it and that kind of iced it was the way Jake Lever played that intercepting organizational role. He ended up with 13 intercepts and 16 disposals at 94%. So not only was he intercepting the ball beautifully, but then he was delivering it back out of defense really efficiently. And mm. that is why Jake Lever is the play on performer. I, <laughs> I realize I'm going on tangents today because we haven't spoken uh, in a week. Well, technically we've spoken, but uh, no one else heard. (laughs) But the other player we wanted to highlight um, is this week's Rising Star nominee, which I'm very happy about because a lot of last year I was yelling at the TV on a Monday night saying, it should be Trent Rivers. But Trent Rivers has finally received his Rising Star nomination. Trent Rivers, he's such a beautiful kick of the ball and that's what he's known for and that is so important coming out of defense. They've got Salem and Rivers now. It's it's brilliant. But he's also so underrated in the one-on-one. And I think that's what came to the fore in this game on Friday night was that Rivers in the one-on-one was spoiling. He was winning those contests. He was not letting his opponent get the ball cleanly to have shots on goal. And it was so awesome to watch. 
Also, I've decided that he's the new Dane Ramsey. Um, <laughs> I love this so much. He's the same number as Shoe Dane Shoehorn Sydney in there yeah. as much as you can. Absolutely. Um, he's, he's number 24, like Dane Rampey. Um, his, his field kicking is exceptional, but he's also really competent in that one-on-one. And I think he very much fits that Dane Rampey mold, which may be why I like him so much. But um, yeah, Trent Rivers, fantastic. I love that you picked Jake Lever because I feel like he's been a cult hero um, amongst Melbourne supporters for a little while now. Um, and and then... He gets that raspy voice <laughs> after the game from yelling all orders at his teammates all day. And look, I do love that finally I've been seeing glimmers of hope in Melbourne um, that maybe no one else has been seeing. And I do love that this year people like Jake Lever are getting the accolades that I think they deserve. Uh, speaking of Trent Rivers, so I, my measure, you have your stats, Gemma, my measure of whether a player is good or not is how many times I say, oh, he's good <laughs> when I'm watching them. <laughs> and every week I say, I turn to whoever I'm watching with and say, Trent Rivers is so good. <laughs> Or I'll fire off a text, Trent Rivers is so good. So I'm really glad that, A, you've, I feel vindicated by your comments just then, but also by that rising star nomination. The last thing I want to say about Trent Rivers is that, don't you think he looks a little bit like the Joker? Yeah, so you wrote this in the notes. I still don't understand. Uh... Just look at, look at Trent, handsome man, lovely, you know, great to look at. But look at him, there's a, there's a, joker there's something joker about him he's like a proto joker like origin story joker you could see he's that he just there's a quality there you're looking at me like i'm nuts but trust me go look up just google trent rivers and you'll see what i'm talking about i know what he uh, um you forget that i have very few pop culture references in my head so to me this sounds (laughs) wild um but okay. if you're listening Listeners, and just... you agree with Rana, yeah. you can tweet at us at Play on Radio Melb, and I can be wrong, I but want... I just don't understand. I want someone to meme it. He is Joker before he becomes the Joker. Just saying. We've gone way off the tracks here. <laughs> I'm glad we got that out of my is. system. We're in lockdown. It is what it is. Yes, exactly. And we're definitely going to be in lockdown. lockdown for longer than was originally planned. Oh, well, lucky we have a great game of football to look forward to this weekend. It is, of course, the Dreamtime game this time in Perth. Dreamtime in Perth, which is actually really exciting. Uh, Essendon versus Richmond football aside, gameplay aside, this is, I think this is going to be huge for Perth. And I sort of love the idea of a roving Dreamtime. We got Dreamtime in NT last year, which by all accounts, was amazing. I do kind of love the idea of now Dreamtime will just be in a different state every year and it just rotates because then everybody gets a turn of celebrating this game, which is actually an amazing game. We shouldn't hog it in Melbourne. And different mob get to represent, I feel like, and I sort of love that. So I don't know what you think, but I love the idea of a roving dream time. I think it's so cool that Perth get to experience that. And they're going to, from what I understand, they're going to try and replicate as much of the ceremony of the walk and all that beforehand um, into this in the way that they can over in Perth. Um, 
it and as you said, different mob being able to represent their culture in such a significant way is so cool. So yeah, whether it roves or whether once we're all vaccinated, hopefully soon enough, um, it, there can be multiple versions of it each year in each state. I it would be very cool. Uh, football wise, game wise. Oh great opportunity for Essendon. Oh, absolutely. This is Essendon's chance to show that they're not just exciting up-and-comers, but they're legitimately going to be a powerhouse side for the next five years. Like, they win this game. Everyone talked about the game last week being the most significant win in Essendon's history. I, I think those kind of calls are bit rubbish but this potentially off the back of a strong win if they can win this one again having been away for the week and all that sort of stuff it could be pretty powerful uh just for the story of it alone i'm dying for them to win um and it'll be really interesting to see how richmond come out of the gates with this one um but i think everybody's on essendon's side here right yeah, I don't know that Richmond have won too many um, secondary fans in the past year. <laughs> no, sadly. Um, look, I, I'm kind of going for them. What do you think the likelihood is that Essendon do get up here? I mean, it's probably 50-50 at this point, isn't it? Mm, which I love. That's what we want going into a, a big marquee game like this yeah, as well. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be fun. I, I'm really looking forward to watching it. From, from my couch because we won't be allowed to leave the house. Step onto the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros, where the world's best players battle it out for a chance to win the French Open title. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV, live in HD. Don't miss a moment with daily live coverage and match replays on demand, beginning Monday, May 20th. Be there for all the unforgettable moments. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. All right, well, we'll get to the rest of the games in our tips, but we'll look at some listener questions now. Um, some interesting ones here for you, Gemma, one that I think you will absolutely love. The first one we are offering up to you is this. How do you think the addition of Chloe Shear to Geelong will work? So as it stands, this trade has not gone through, but Chloe Shear has officially requested to be traded to from Adelaide to Geelong which for me is incredibly exciting because the prospect of being able to watch Chloe Shear play in person more often than not living in Victoria is so exciting because she's one of my favorite players. Practically for Geelong, she is the perfect player for them to be bringing in. She is absolutely the kind of player they need, not just in terms of age profile. She's young, but she's experienced. She's played Two full seasons of footy. Yes, she had um, the 
the year off in between with the um, knee reconstruction. But she's a strong player who can play as a lead-up marking centre-half forward type player and is reliable in front of goal. But what we saw this year was her ability to go into the midfield and be a really clean um deliver a forward and this was Geelong's big issue this year was that they'd get trapped in their back half had no way to transition the ball from defense to attack and then that required players like Phoebe Williams Rochelle Cranston to push up the field so then when they did win the ball they couldn't move it quickly enough to have any meaningful attack out of it Chloe Shear I know she's only one player but she's absolutely that player that can connect the two um, in a really kind of professional way she's been at a professional club for three years um and not to say Geelong isn't but Adelaide are you know they've won premierships they're in the grand final this year we know the kinds of players that she has been learning from at that club Chelsea Randall being the really obvious one the exciting thing for Geelong is that the addition of Chloe Shear to that half forward line with the way Amy McDonald performed this year that is the setup to and then you add in Nina Morrison, you add in the way Denby Taylor plays, you add in Becky Webster. There is a strong group there that they just need to develop together and adding Chloe Shear to that could only be a positive. And we talked all through the AFLW season about Geelong's need for on-field leadership. Um, so this is exactly what they need, it feels like. So I really hope this one gets through. Yes. I'll be thrilled for Geelong if it does. Speaking of trades that have gone through, we saw yesterday that Sabrina Frederick is now a magpie. Richmond then received Maddie Shevlin in return. What do you think, Gemma? I I love this trade for all parties involved. Maddie Shevlin has kind of been the lost member of this conversation because Sabrina Frederick is obviously the bigger name. But Maddie Shevlin is a great addition to Richmond because what we saw this year with uh, Richmond is when they did have a run on, they were kind of panicking sending the ball forward. So it wasn't super efficient. They, yes, they had control of the game and all that sort of stuff. But then when they did win the ball, it was just bomb it long forward and they weren't really giving their forwards an opportunity. Maddie Shevlin is a great winger who thinks really quickly in those sorts of circumstances. And she can be that player that um, can calm it down and deliver the ball forward in a way that other players haven't been able to at Richmond, which is which is really positive for them. On the flip side, for Sabrina Frederick, um, I love, love, love this for her. Um, if uh, The only negative thing out of this is that she's going to make Collingwood more powerful, isn't it? Um, but yeah, exactly. she's for the past two years kind of sacrificed her own game for the benefit of the team. And I've been seeing a lot of comments online that um, she's a selfish player, she's this, she's that. And I I think that's a bit unfair on her because I don't see her as that because she has, as I said, been sacrificing her game to fit what the team needs for two years. And now she's going to a club where she's going to be able to play as a pack-crashing, lead-up, contested marking forward and have really experienced and talented, skillful midfielders kicking it to her. She's going to be back to her best next year because I know that she's been training really hard in off-seasons last year, obviously during the lockdown, and then um, since this year finished up. Uh, she's She needs to be playing as a key forward. Collingwood have needed a key forward. Um, it's going to be a match made in heaven. Yeah, I'm really happy for her. Sad to see her go from the Tigs um, because... 
I do love her there, but I'm very happy for her. I spoke to her last night. She seems thrilled. All her social media seems really positive and happy and excited. Um, and I think there's just a genuine desire to take her game to the next level. And I think she'll be able to do that. Um, and I just want the best for the game and for her. So I'm very happy for her. So fun fact about both of these players as well. So they they yesterday became the 13th and 14th three club AFLW players, um, which mm. I think is just a fun fact to see. And I think we're going to see a few more players move to their third club over the next few days too. Oh, sign and trade period is so brutal, especially in the AFLW, but uh, I think we just have to get used to it and there's going to be a bit of movement, I suspect. I love it. All right, well, let's... Sorry, <laughs> I love it. I... It annoys me that I have to sit there and just wait for something to happen, though. That's stressing me out. Why do you love it? Why do you love sign and trade period? Uh, Because I want excuses to talk about W when the season's not on. (laughs) Fair enough. It's so much more interesting than the M's trade period. So much more interesting. (laughs) I don't know why that is either. It just is. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, Let's look ahead to the round Uh, as Melburnians in lockdown. I am so excited to just sit on the couch and watch footy. I didn't actually do much of that last weekend, so I'm really excited to have nothing else to do but watch football. We are going to go through uh, these games and give you our tips. We won't say when and where they are because that's all moving and might change by the time you listen to this. Starting with Friday 4th of June, Melbourne versus Brisbane Lions. This is first versus third. I am so excited about this game. I was just as excited about this as I was D's Bulldogs. What do you think, Gemma? This is a really hard one to tip because watching Brisbane play, they are so destructive. But the systematic way with which Melbourne dealt with the dogs makes you think strategy over pure skill, which one's going to win out. I am going to go with Melbourne for no reason other than that's just what my gut is telling me. Oh, I cannot wait. There are rumours this will be played in the Northern Territory. If so, I think Melbourne get up. They're used to playing there. They like it up there. They do well up there, so... I think this one's a Melbourne win. Saturday, St Kilda versus Sydney. I think Sydney have this one. So Tom Hickey will be back, I believe. Uh, Robbie <laughs> Fox looks like he's going to be back, which I'm just going to say two really important players for the Swans. Um, everyone laughs at me when I say that about Robbie Fox. He has blossomed into a, such a strong mid-sized one-on-one defender um, who uses the ball very well. So I'm going with Sydney and also Robbie Fox, champion. Uh, Adelaide versus Collingwood also on Saturday. Adelaide. I mean, yeah, Adelaide and probably not that interesting a game. Oh, Adelaide can can play really fun footy when they're up and about. And I think this is a chance for them to do that, especially... I know Collingwood played in one of the worst matches we've ever seen on the weekend, but I think Mm. Adelaide, given Collingwood's outs, when they get control of that midfield and move the ball fast, they're so fun to watch, and I'm expecting that to be what happens this week. The big kahuna, Essendon versus Richmond, (laughs) Dreamtime, 
at Optus Stadium. We know that one's not going to get moved now. Fingers crossed. <laughs> uh I think Richmond win this, but boy, I hope Essendon do. I'm going for the upset. I'm going with Essendon, even though they'll probably oh. lead and then lose by two points. Mm. <laughs> I hope it's a good game. I'm just excited to see those two teams go head to head. Moving on to Sunday, uh, let's look at Carlton versus West Coast Eagles. I think the Eagles have this. I'm going with Carlton because save for... Harry Mackay's wayward kicking, which is not Harry Mackay's fault they didn't win on the weekend. Carlton have proven that they know how to play good football. They just didn't polish mm. it off with the last little bit. Um, West Coast, I've been saying for a month now that I have questions over them. Um, and I don't know that their defense will hold up for this Carlton forward line. Um, so I'm going to go with Carlton for this one. Fair enough. I think West Coast Eagles. Uh, Frio versus Western Bulldogs. Safe to say Western Bulldogs. Yeah, I feel like you got to go with the dogs. Mm. And then we've got a whole bunch of buys, which really sucks because, like I said, we need footy to watch. I might just go back and watch some AFLW. I mean, that's a great idea. I can I can recommend a game for you. Yes, go on. Round three, Melbourne against North Melbourne at Casey Fields. Yes. What a cracker of a game that was. Loved Highly, that. Highly recommend. <laughs> Where can we watch those? Are they on the They're app? all on the AFLW app, on the AFLW website, and if you have KO, everything is there as well. So there's a few places you can watch. <sighs> Brilliant. She's on top of it, isn't she? There's a real possibility I rewatch a lot of games. <laughs> Doesn't surprise me at all. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, that's it for us this week. Uh, if you're in Melbourne, stay safe. Look after each other. Uh, sing out if you need anything. We'll be on Twitter. You can find us at Play on Radio Melb on Twitter or Gemma, where can people find you? If you would like to see all of my AFLW trade period updates and stats relating to players that have been traded, find me at JL Bastiani. And I'm at Ranahus on Twitter as well. Thanks so much for joining us. Who needs love when you've got footy actually? <laughs> <laughs>